As a church community, we have been recently looking at the theme, God, money, and me. I've got my book here, God, money, and me. Who knows? We saw that this morning, the double blessing. And then, uh, and also as a year, we've been looking at the theme of supernatural. Uh, Anyone agree with that? We've been hearing supernatural. And so today, I'm going to be continuing on the supernatural. And so uh, if if you want a title, I guess it's a bit of a funny one, but I'm going to say, Answered Prayer supernatural solutions. I'm going to say it again. It's a weird title. Answered prayer, supernatural solutions. So may God reveal that to you. So basically when we talk about the word supernatural, it's synonymous with spiritual. Those words are very similar. Supernatural, spiritual, it's talking about the, the, the weird zones of life, you could say. And so we've got to understand that as humans, we aren't just an earthly person, but we are actually a spiritual being. We're both. So we're a, a supernatural, spiritual being housed in a flesh body. That's what we are. And so if you look at, in your own time, Philippians 3, 21, it talks about that. When we die... We, this body will no longer exist, but our spirit body will exist. And so we get transformed in death to a new spiritual body. And so also with that, so I'm a phys- Yes, well, I've got my body, but we, who, who, anyone here know what a glory bomb is? Youth from Youth Alive. So basically, other, another term for it would be like slain in the spirit. We are a natural. So we as Pentecostals, we believe that when the Holy Ghost can come upon us, yes, we may speak in tongues, but sometimes you see people fall out a glory bomb because there's the supernatural being of our body can't contain the, the uh, a natural body can't contain what the supernatural is doing on you. So that we are natural, but we are spiritual. And so I'm going to pray before we start, and I'm going to believe that God can powerfully move within our lives. Is that cool? So Holy Spirit, we want to say welcome into our heart. We want you to uh, move any obstacle, anything that could uh, pull us away from hearing what you want to say to us. And we thank you that each individual member here, God, that you can speak to us, that we can hear your voice clearly, that we can leave this place better. And we thank you, God, that your supernatural power can be at work in our lives every moment, every day. And we all said, Amen. So to start, we're going to have a bit of a, this is, it, I feel like I always regularly will preach this, but it's just a, a Bible verse that's so, uh, I guess, ingrained into my life, and it's Proverbs 14.4. It says this, without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. 2019 translation, without people, we can be chilled, but we need a strong church for a large harvest, which leads us to a question. What is a harvest? So if you're taking notes, this is going to be one important for you. Matthew 9, 35 to 38, and it says this. Jesus traveled through towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Now, a synagogue for us is basically like this church building temple for the Jewish people. So the Jewish people, when they, when they had the Jewish religion, they would, go, they would have buildings similar to this building, which they would call a synagogue. So that's what, that, what they are. And announcing the good news about the kingdom. And so he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So the harvest is the crowds, the people in our society, in our towns, and cities that are confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 
And so that, that's what the harvest is. The people that don't know Jesus, that, that could be your next-door neighbor. It could be the person that you work with. That are confused, helpless, that do not know Jesus. That is what the harvest is. And so we are here on earth to go harvest. We want to be the workers that see you meet Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus yet today, if you haven't had an opportunity to pray a prayer and say, Jesus, I put you as the Lord of my life at the end of the service, we'll give you the opportunity to say, you know what, Jesus, I feel like the sheep without a shepherd. I want you to be my shepherd. And we're going to give you that opportunity. So again, Proverbs 44, without an oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Back to my translation, without people, we can be chilled, but we need a strong church for a large harvest. And that's why One Heart Church, we are called to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community, because there's a large harvest and we want to be a large, strong church that says, you know what, we're going to reach that community. And so One Heart Church, we can be a church of a thousand people. I believe that. Easy. I have the faith for it. I have the vision that we can be a church of a thousand people. I want to take it a step further. I believe that we can be a church of 10% of the population. We can be a church of 1,400. Easy, easy. But, and I believe that we can be that large, strong church that sees that happen. And so um, we have a mission to fulfill. We need a plan to hell and populate heaven. Does anyone believe that tonight? We've got to have that. We've got to, God, we believe that we can plan to hell, populate heaven, and be a church of a thousand people. I don't just want to be some little church that's like, oh, that little building. No, I want to be a ch- church with a building that's like, what is going on there? That place is, we're, we're overflowing the car park, but I believe for more than that. I, I just believe that we can see uh, something that if we were to be, if we were to go away, the community would notice. I, I want to be that kind of church. Thank you, John T. Can everyone give John T a clap? John T. Dirt and easier. Stand up for us, John T. If you ever preach, get John T there. He encourages you. So if he says, come on, if he claps, get on his bandwagon, follow John T, because he's good. Great job, John T. Great job. So we often hear statements, you may have heard this before, like, where there is people, there is problems. Now, has anyone heard that? Where there is people, there, is, there will be problems. Just like an ox messes a stable, people cause problems. So which is true? People aren't perfect. I have grown up in church my whole life, and there has been people problems. Um, but people problems aren't just excluded to the church. Shock horror. I've been involved in football clubs, and there has been people problems. I've went to school, and there is people problems. Wherever you find people, there will be problems. I'm sure at your workplace, there is people and there's problems. Does does anyone agree with that? But sadly, apart from the Tower of Babel, Babel, apart from then, when people come together, a mess is created and uh, and follows them. And so really, most conflicts really come from selfishness. When we look at the end of the day, it comes to selfishness. Um, for those that may have liked on social media, we remember Sam Long, he's coming a few times. He's a, our state Youth Alive leader. And I was watching his church, Nova Church. I encourage you to follow that on Instagram, Facebook. But I was watching one of their, their sermon clips and it was just like, bam, that was powerful. And so he did this illustration and he was talking about, um, say, for me, I love Coke. Or I call it scratchy. There's Pepsi, smooth, Coke is scratchy. So Bernard loves his Pepsi. I love my Coke. Does anyone here love coffee? Pete loves his coffee. He loves his Turkish coffee. Um, does anyone here like cordial? Red cordial, non, non-watered down, anyone like that? So that we can all have different flavours of drinks, right? Some people like tea, 
We can have your uh, protein shake if you go to the gym, whatever it is. We can all have different flavors. And so he had this table out and, he's, and he has a big jug. And he's like mixing it all together, coffee. And it's like, yuck, what the heck is that? And he goes, um, it was a mess. And so what he said was, if we do what everyone wants, we end up with something nobody wants. Who wants to drink that? I don't want to drink my Coke mixed with coffee. No, thank you. Leave the Coke pure, perfect, bubbling. <laughs> with a peach on the side. That's what I want. I don't want your, your, uh, your, your co- coffee mixed in with it. And if you want your coffee, I'm sure you don't want cordial mixed in with it. Because when we, when we try to do what everyone wants, we end up with something that nobody wants. And in a church, we could, we could have statements like this. I want it louder. Oh, I want it quieter. Or uh, I want it darker. Or I want it brighter. Um, I want this song. You want that song. Um, I want to sit here. You can't tell me where I can sit. I'll sit where I want. Um, uh, I want, I want, I want, I want. We can have all these desires, but again, if we do what everybody wants, we'll have a, a service that nobody wants. And so for me, I want a strong church more than my comfort. I'd rather a church full of mess and see a harvest than no mess and no harvest. If my preferences are challenged and people are getting saved and discipled, please challenge my, my preferences. Chuck them out the door. If we're singing songs that I can't even sing, but they're about glorifying Jesus and people getting saved, Let's sing those songs. If, if, if the lights are a bit dark and I can't even see the words, darken the lights if people are getting saved. If people are meeting Jesus, get my comfort out of here because where's my priority at? And so I'd rather, yeah, give God some praise. I'll stretch it a bit further. If I have to park down the front street and walk here to get a car park because people are getting saved, I will do that. You know what I mean? I want to have that attitude. If I have to sit on the butt on the ground because we've run out of chairs, which I believe that we can see that happen, I will do that because I want to see people get saved. Challenges, you don't belong here. Comfort, you don't belong here, I mean. So, where there are people, there are problems, but people are spiritual beings. People have a supernatural edge. We've got to understand that. So, yes, for our flesh can't where we go there's going to be an issue. But we've got to understand that we're not just flesh. We're not just our carnal desire. There's something on the supernatural within us where we have a supernatural edge. And so Mark 16, 17 in the King James Version, these signs will follow them who believe. There's a poster at the back and it talks about things like we can drink poison and we'll be fine. We can t- play with snakes and they're just like toys. They're like teddy bears. Um, they won't... They won't kill us. Um, We will lay our hands on the sick and they will recover. It says these signs will follow us. Why? Because we're not just natural. There's something of the supernatural in our life. There's something of the spirit within us where we can see signs follow us. So yeah, where people go, there's problems. But where we go, because we've got the supernatural upon us, we see miracles. We see things change. So uh, I believe for that. And so, uh, so where, this is a note for you. Yes, where there is people, there are problems, but without people, we can miss supernatural answers. I'm going to say that again. Yes, where there is people, there are problems, but without people, we can miss supernatural answers. So yes, people may cause problems, but God can use people to bring answers to bring supernatural solutions. So Philippians 4.6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. We are creatures of conspiracy. Look at the person beside you and say, creature of conspiracy. Creature of conspiracy. So what I mean by that is, our first response often in life is conspiracy. That's our first default setting, conspiracy. We worry. The negative what ifs 
go? What if I lose my job? What if I get injured? What if I marry a gold digger? All of these things, we, we can default to the, to the what if. We can default to the negative what if, but because we're creatures of conspiracy. Everyone's against me. Everyone's attacking me because we, we have this worry mindset. But prayer is our spiritual realignment. We've got to understand that. So yes, we, we may be by default in the flesh creatures of conspiracy, but we've got, as it says in Philippians, so true the thousands of years ago that was written. Yes, we may have Instagram now, but we are still creatures of conspiracy, but we've got to go, no, God, we're going to realign our thinking. And so God, yeah, yeah, we may have um, uh, conspiracy tendencies, but God is our source. So if I, if I get injured and I can't work, I don't have to worry about the union. God is my source, not the union, not the government. God is my source. God is our provider. God is my protector. God is in control. And so when we pray, we go, God, this is what worries me. I don't want to be a conspiracy creature. I want to be someone that aligns you and go, God, you are greater than this, these conspiracies brewing in my head, brewing in my heart. And so often we can see a conspiracy, we see problem, but God sees a person. Often we pray, God, I see a problem, fix it, but God sees a person. So we can, we can go like, God, I'm in debt. And we say, God, just click your fingers. Oh, let me get, let me get my, um, my, my banking app out. What? <laughs> the debt's gone. How did that $2 million just get there? We want to pray prayers and go, snap, God. But it's, that's not how it works often. If that happens to you, awesome. Please tie off to One Heart Church and that would be great. Um, but but you, that's not how reality works. And I, I believe in the supernatural power of God, but it's not just a click of God's finger and boom, your, your bank app has had a glitch and it's got money in there. And so to, to sort of progress on, a big lie that the enemy will tell us, he, he, will, he will label us things like, you're a problem. You're a mistake. Um, uh, you're trouble. You're a fail whale. There's all these labels that the enemy wants to stick on our lives, which isn't the truth. And so we've got to understand that, go, yes, I might make mistakes. Yes, I may cause trouble, but I'm not trouble. I'm not a mistake. I have a plan and purpose. And so we've got to get into the word of God. We've got to understand this book and go, no, just because we make mistakes doesn't mean we are a mistake. Just because we cause issues doesn't mean we are a problem. And so we've got to get a hold of that book and say, God, we need to learn about the things of mercy and grace. Say that, mercy and grace. So the gospel, the message of Jesus, is one of mercy and grace. And you may have heard this before, but mercy is Jesus took away what we deserve. That's what mercy is. The things that we did wrong and we did what we deserve, Jesus take that away. Grace is the opposite. Jesus gives us what we don't deserve. So another way, so mercy, Jesus took away what we deserve, the punishment of sin, the curse, all the things that Adam and Eve brought to us. Mercy says, Jesus says, takes away you don't, on the cross, that's no longer yours. Then in grace, Jesus gives us what we don't deserve, righteousness, purity, favor, blessing, all the things that the kingdom of heaven wants to pour into you is grace. And so um, if, you, if you're a Christian, you're a mature believer, please don't ever, ever say to me, karma. It is not scriptural at all. Because there is a principle in the Bible of reap what you, you, what you sow, you will reap. That is a spiritual principle. But the gospel message of mercy and grace is not karma. Because karma would say, you, don't, does, you, you are a rotten sinner. You are a uh, this or that. But that's not what Jesus said. He says, you know what? I take away your sin and I give you righteousness. I, I give you purity. So we've got to understand that. So if you're a mature believer, please never ever say, oh, 
that's karma for you. No, because that's not the message of the gospel. Oh, sorry, Jesus, forgive me for that, that vent. So we're going to look at we're going to be looking at two sort of uh, uh, people in the Bible, and we're going to, so one of them is Moses. And so in the book of Exodus, chapter one, uh, seven to fourteen, reads like this: But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so great, so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt, who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, "Look." The people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. They will escape from this country. That king, that pharaoh, was a creature of conspiracy. He was full of worries. We see it again. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build cities of that place and Ramesses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptian workers, the people of, uh, sorry, the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix a mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. I, I think there's a funny sort of thing in there. It says the more they were like were treated harshly, the more they they expanded. And you know what? Maybe for the church, I'm not saying yeah we. We want, we want um, to be treated harshly. But you know what? Maybe for a bit more persecution, we're going to see the church grow more. So I say, you know what? If things get harder, bring it on. Because I believe that God's blessing rests upon the things that the world does dodgily with. Then, so, um, then we're going to go to the next section. So we, if you go to the, uh, the end of chapter 2, so verse 23, and we're going to read into uh, chapter 3 after that. It says, 23, no, no, that's verse 23, sorry. Years passed. Not 23 years, just years passed, so it's unknown. And the king of Egypt died, poor fellow. But the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. Prayer, that's what that is, that's prayer. God heard their groanings, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. One day, Moses was tending the flocks of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flocks far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. However you want to do that. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him uh, from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the uh, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel have reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. And so if we see there, we, we see that the people prayed a prayer, but God saw a person. Moses was a supernatural solution. Moses was the answer to prayer. Moses had the supernatural signs follow him. If we've watched that, the movie about Moses, whatever we see him, he has a stick that becomes a snake and then he does they put blood on the water all this crazy stuff and we see that nation eventually leave Egypt and have their own land so where there was a those people prayed a prayer but Moses was the answer they they, they had a, a need that needed to be fixed and God says you know what Moses you are the man you are the vessel that's going to see the breakthrough for those people and so I believe there are Moseses in this building right now where you need your burning bush moment where you need that encounter to go you know what I'm not just living here for myself there's a purpose that God has for me to see that to be an answer of prayer for someone else does anyone believe that so the music team can come back up and and join us so another there's another person in the Bible called Ananias there's actually a few Ananias in the Bible especially in the book of Acts so don't get them confused so the in the book of Acts, if you read God, Money, and Me, there's actually one of them in there. There's a first Ananias. He has a wife, and they lie about their tithe. And it's pretty, it's pretty interesting because, or sorry, not their tithe, was an offering. And they lied to the Holy Spirit, and then they died because they lied about it. So I encourage you, don't lie to the Holy Spirit about your offering. Because that's New Testament. So the first Ananias carks it because he lies about his offering. But then we, this is our second Ananias, and this is what we, we want to get, we want to look into. So in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 10 to 17, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he said, uh, he went to the high priest, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues, as we talked about before, in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. See, look, the gospel is, um, what do you call that? Both men and women. It's, he, yeah, he, Paul didn't care. He wanted both. Um, he was approaching Damascus on this mission. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The, the men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him uh, by the hand to Damascus and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. I don't know about you but I've never had the encounter, spiritual encounter where I got left blinded. I've never had that that moment and go out like God what and then my eyes cannot see I've never had that spiritual moment ever but now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias yes Lord he replied 
the Lord said, go over to the straight street to the house of Judas, where you, uh, when you get there, ask for a man, uh, a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. So Saul is praying to God. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can uh, see again. But Lord exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Now, I love the honesty there of Ananias because he goes, you know what, God? I don't think this is the right the right decision here. I've heard about this Saul, and he wants to grab me. He wants to grab the women and everyone else and chain us up and take us to get us killed. I don't think that's a good idea. And I loved the honesty. And you know what? That God can speak to us and say self to will. And we might go, you know what, Jesus? I don't know. I don't think that's what you want us to do. But we've got to have the obedience to the Holy Spirit and go, all right, if Jesus, that's what you're calling us into, we're going to step into it. So it continues on. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as the people of Israel. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Powerful. Saul prayed a prayer, but God saw a person. Ananias was a supernatural solution. Ananias was the answer to prayer. Um, and, and so Ananias had supernatural signs follow him. We've got to understand that. And so tonight, as Ananias laid his hands on Saul, oh, we're going to have some people lay their hands on you. And I believe that you can have things set free in your life. Just like Saul had a moment where he went, I'm blind, but a person was a solution to my need. We believe that you can have that moment. Just like Moses had an encounter with the burning bush, I believe you can have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that sets you on fire to go, God, I am the solution to a problem that someone's praying. And so last night, I was sort of getting my message ready in that. And then I was reading my few pages of God, money and me. And and there was a, a situation in here that was just like, so timely for this message and it says this it was uh, some author recalls of an old comic strip and it says this uh, two guys were talking to each other and one of them says he has a question for God he wants to ask why God allows all of this poverty and suffering to exist in the world and his friend says well why don't you ask him the fellow shakes his head and says he is too scared When his friend asks why, he mutters, I'm scared God will ask me the same question. And so we've got to understand that we can say, if there's a loving God, we we hear the things, if there's a loving God, why is it this, why is it that? Well, there's a loving God calling people, but the people are not listening to the call. And so I I really believe if the church wakes up and says, no, we're here for a purpose. Yes, I believe God can do a supernatural wonder, but I also believe that God's calling people to be there. Signs and wonders follow us, kind of a generation, people of God. And so there's another situation in the Bible in Esther chapter 414. And there's this uncle tells his, his uh, uh, niece, who's a queen, this. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief will, can everyone say will? Will arise from some other place. 
You were made queen for such a time as this. And so I, this is our time, church. When God speaks to you, this is our time. And I don't want a substitute to arise. The, Mordecai understood, God is my provider. God will make a way. If Esther doesn't, a substitute will arise somewhere else. Is your gifting, is the things that God's called for you, is that being substituted? I really pray it's not because you have a purpose and a plan from God. If Moses didn't obey, a substitute will have arise. If Ananias wasn't obedient, a substitute will have, will have arise. But I don't want to have someone else be my substitute. If God's called me, I want the signs and wallows, the signs and wonders to be following my footsteps and where I go. And so let's not let substitutes take what's meant for us. I want the confession of Isaiah. Here I am, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. I, I am the answer of prayer. I am a supernatural solution. And so if we just want to stand to our feet, we're going to, we're going to do something. As I said before, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you feel like you're helpless and you go, God, I, I'm intrigued by this supernatural life. I want to have and commit my life to you. We're going to pray a prayer. You can repeat after me. And if you made that prayer for the first time, come and talk to me at the end. And we're going to, we'll help you take the next steps forward. But then after that, after we've prayed this prayer, if you say, you know what, Josh, I've been challenged. I want to have that burning bush moment. I believe that I am the answer of prayer we're going to go old school camp style and we're going to sing a song and you're going to come down the front and say you know what God here I am as Isaiah said here I am send me here I am use me I don't want a substitute to replace me I want the signs and wonders to follow me because I am the answer for prayer I am the supernatural solution for my work for my school for my community Bernard is a supernatural solution Con is a supernatural solution Ty is an answer of prayer every one of us in this building there is needs in our community and we are the one to see their signs and wonders follow us in that place Yep, where there's people, there'll be problems. But without people, we may miss the supernatural. And I don't want to miss the supernatural. So we're going to pray. So as I said, if you've never made the decision before to make Jesus the Lord of your life, repeat after me. Jesus, we were helpless. We were confused. But we found you. But more importantly, you found us. We commit our lives to you we repent of our sin and make you the Lord of our life and as, as we were sheep without a shepherd we commit to you as our shepherd 